Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. So Psalm chapter 95 and verse 6, Psalm 95, 6 and 7, loudly today. Ready? It says, oh, come let us, let's say it together. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The first verse tells us what to do. The second verse tells us why we do it. Let me just talk about the second verse. It says, we are the people of his pasture. This is written from a shepherd. <laughs> and the shepherd's looking out at the sheep. And he's like, we're like those sheep. Dumb. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know. But we have a good shepherd. Just like me, the shepherd's probably thinking. You know, just like me. I can lead these sheep to green pastures and I can take care of them. Uh, can I tell you, you don't have any reason to worry about anything. I said, you don't have any reason to worry about anything. Why? Because you have a good shepherd. <laughs> what about the next season? <laughs> He's there too. <laughs> right? Was he with you in the last season? Is he with you in this season? Then he'll be with you in the next season. There's nothing to be worried about. We have a good shepherd. He's going to take care of you every step of the way. So he says, so what do we do? Verse 6, oh, come let us worship and bow down. Can you say worship and bow down? Listen, every time you talk about worship or communicating with God, it's always two things. It's always the heart and the action. You can't ever separate the two. It's always the heart and the action. Come let us worship and bow down. Worship's inside, bow down's outside, right? But the outside's just a representation of the inside. So come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Uh, remember that's what Satan asked Jesus to do in that second temptation. He said, I'll give you all these things if you'll bow down and worship me. He didn't just say worship me. He said, I want you to do the act. I want you to do an act right? It's what Satan still, I believe, tempts other people with. If you'll give me this, I'll give you that, right? And what do you do? Well, Jesus just kind of went on to the next thing, right? Because it's not a good trade ever. But he says, come let us worship and bow down. It's not just about the outward, the inward actions. It's about the outward action that goes with it too. It's the heart and the act, the heart of worship and the act of worship. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, Isaiah 1 19 says this, if, can you say the word if? That means this is a conditional statement, what this is saying. You can't just pray for the ending without the beginning. If you are, and what's the two things? Willing and obedient. Can you say willing and obedient? Willing's the inside. Willing's the heart. Well, I really have a heart to do that, but you didn't do it. Well, I really have a heart not to do it, but you did it. If you're willing and what? Obedient. The obedience, the action. It's the, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it. I remember my dad, he came from the old school. Like he was, he was one of those guys who, you know, hadn't read any books on uh, like James Dobson and how to raise kids and how to be patient and all those kinds of things. He just kind of said, do it. Well, why? You don't need to know why. Just do it, period. Do it, you know? But I remember he was teaching us to eat our vegetables. And uh, he put that broccoli in front of us. And he'd say, eat it. I said, I'm, I'm not going to eat it. You're going to eat it, and you're going to like it. What was he saying? 
obedient and willing. <laughs> you're going to do both. And what would I say? Heck no, I'm not going to. And he'd say, all right, you're not going to. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, obedient, and i do it. But on the inside, I'm like, I hate these vegetables on the inside. Well, what happened? I just needed to eat them until at some point I began to like them. Right? And sometimes, with the, even with the Lord, right, the, the, there's things that you say, well, I'm going to step out and obey God, but I don't know if on the inside I necessarily will. Well, over time, you'll realize that God's way is the better way. So you just got to keep serving God and obeying God. And, and eventually you'll like the vegetables, right? Because he does have your best interest. But other times people say, well, I'm willing, but I'm, uh, you know, uh, I, it's in my heart, but I just haven't done it. Or I'm going to do it. You know what going to do it means? You didn't do it. You know what almost ready means? You're not ready. Right? Hey, come on, we said we were going to leave at 10. Well, I'm almost ready. You know what that means? You're not ready. Right? And what happens when people aren't ready? They get left. <laughs> what happened to the people when they weren't ready for the ark to be closed? What happened? <laughs> they drowned. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not saying God's going to drown anybody because that's why he made the rainbow. But he said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But I can tell you, you do miss out on opportunities. You do miss out on opportunities when you're not willing and obedient. Come on, say, what is it? It's willing and obedient. You'll eat the good of the land. He said, but if you refuse and obey and rebel, I want you to notice those two words are just counter opposite. Refuse is the heart. It's the opposite of willing. And rebel is the action. It's, it's just saying, well, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go that direction. If you refuse and rebel, he's saying, what happens? You shall be devoured by the sword. That's not a good thing to be killed by. He says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Some people might say, well, you know, I just don't believe that. <laughs> the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You should start believing it because <laughs> that's the, just the way it is. Somebody say, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is if you're willing and obedient. So I think it's important for us to know that when we're talking about worship, when we're talking about our lives, it's not just about the heart. Well, I'm worshiping in my heart. That's great. You can worship in your heart. But let the outward reflect the inward. You know, I would lead worship ministry for many years, and I'd lead people in worship, and I'd lead our teams in worship. And I, and I would never, I try to never tell our teams, uh, here's how you worship, like something external. You can't learn worship on YouTube. You can't learn worship by watching a worship video and imitating what they're doing. You can imitate the action, but you can't imitate the heart. Saul tried to imitate the action, and he got kicked out of kingship, and David imitated the heart. It always starts with the heart. Here's what I would, here's what I would always tell people, though. Uh, let your outward reflect your heart. Let the outward, in other words, if you're bowing in the heart, bow in the, in the natural. If you're, if you're surrendered in the heart, surrender in the natural. Put, put, let the outward reflect the inward. They're both important to God. And then someone might say, well, I don't want that to happen because I'm not worshiping in the heart. Okay, good. That's where it starts. Always starts in the heart. Worship always starts in the heart. Can you, can you say that? Worship always starts in the heart. David, remember David in uh, Psalms, in the book of Psalms, he was the psalmist, a man of God's own heart, but he was the king. And one day he was looking out and he saw this woman taking a bath, right? And uh, she was naked. She was taking a bath, and he's looking at her, and her name was Bathsheba. That's why she, they called her Bathsheba, because she was taking a bath. I'm just kidding. But anyway, she was out there. She was taking a bath, and what did he do? He looked at her, and he said, who is that woman? Who, does she have a husband? Yeah, she has a husband. What's his name? Uriah. 
Where, where does he work? He works for you, sir. He does. Put him on the front lines to be killed and then bring her to me. I'm going to marry her. Horrible thing. He killed a man. He committed adultery. And what did David do? David came back to the Lord and he repented before God and he said, God, I'm so bad. But, but he didn't start with just the action. He didn't go to court and try to get himself off. What did he do? He went to the Lord and he repented and he repented with this prayer. Actually, we just sang it this morning. Created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. But he says in Psalm 50, it says, if you desired sacrifices, that's what I'd give. He said, but the sacrifices of God are this. He said, it's not bulls and animals that we bring. It's not the lifting of hands. It's not the outward actions. He said, the sacrifices of God, I think he would say if he said it today, real worship, real worship, because we don't say, we don't say, we don't use the terminology as I'm going to go to church and sacrifice, do we? I don't. <laughs> I'm going to go to church and sacrifice this morning. No, no, we say I'm going to go and we're, I'm going to go to worship service. I'm going to go worship. He said real worship is a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you'll not despise. In other words, God always starts from the heart. It's not the action. It's not looking right, doing things right, and checking off the box. It's the heart. I found myself, uh, because I love to read the word every day, I found myself going through the journal and just not wanting to miss, wanting to have a streaks, you know, streaks, like keep, keep going with all this. And, uh, and, I, get, and I get to this one thing, and, my, and God, you know, kind of stops me and says, just focus on that chapter today. And I'm like, yeah, but, but I, I need to check off that box. I need to make sure to get all that in. And God, you don't understand. I need to get that job done it for 34 days straight, and I need to make sure that I'm, you know, on this. And God's like, just focus on that. Like, I don't need your reading plan. Though I believe he, he has us on a reading plan, he doesn't need our reading plan to get through to us. Sometimes he needs to stop your prayer. Stop your, you know. I remember one time I walked in, because um, in, in the morning I, have, I would wake up and I'd say, okay, I'm going to ask God these five questions this morning. I have five questions, that's the Lord. So I'd get up and I'd say, I'm going to get those answers out of God this morning. and wake up at 5 o'clock and I'd go, okay, God, praise you. Spend some time worshiping God. Okay, God, question number one. I'd pray and then I just pray in the spirit for a while and spend some time and I got through and I think I was on like question two or so and God's like are you serious David you're really going to come give me a list that I'm going to follow your list don't you think I have a better list than your five questions and I'm like yeah but what do I do about the five questions yeah but don't you understand if you focus on what I'm doing the five questions will be answered somehow I don't get that I, I can't say I really understand all that I don't really get all that but what I do know is that God has your agenda better planned than you have your agenda planned. Amen? Somebody? Okay. So if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, there's one story I want to tell you about. It has a number of verses, but it's in uh, it's Abraham. This is Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, and I'm just going to read through this quickly and comment on it. Listen, verse number one, Genesis 2. Remember, here's the scenario. Uh, Abraham was old. He was an old, old, old. Can you say old? Older than you're thinking. He was old. He was like 100, okay? He was old. His wife was 90. And they had a baby, like a little baby. And it wasn't their grandbaby. It was their baby, okay? And so they, they, uh, God had promised Abraham that he'd be a father, like of generations and of nations. So he finally had this baby of promise. And he's like, look at I have this little baby, you know, and he's so happy about this baby. And God says, basically, this baby grows up. And he says, I want you to go kill your promise. Kill your baby. 
Kill the, the thing you have hope and dreams of. Sometimes, have you ever had something in life that you build it up and you dream and you get it to a place to where you're like, finally, finally it's to a place that God can work through it. And God's like, seriously? You think you need to get your life to a place that I can work through? Kill it. No, not that. I'm going to sing this other worship song right now. I'm not going to talk about that. Anything that you think you're going to help God in, he usually asks you to lay it down. (laughs) Right? Anything you think you're going to help God out with because you, God's usually like, ah, seriously, you know. He asked you to. So here's what happened. Abraham, it says, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Can you say God tested Abraham? Yeah, he did. And it says, and he said, Abraham. And Abraham said, here am I. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. He was very clear with him. He's your son. He's your only son. He's, uh, now, by the way, he had another son that he had had with with his maid or his wife's maid or something he had had but he was saying not that one I want you to take because he's like I'll take that one no no no. take your promised son take your best son take your prime take your hope take the thing you put all of your focus on for all of your life getting this I want you to take the prime time son and take him out okay here's what he says he says take your son your only son Isaac whom you love and go to So we're specific about the son and you're specific about the place. Go to the land of Moriah to offer him there in the land of Moriah as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you, God's saying, I want you to uh, have a specific place. Now, when he says your only son, this, I don't, I'm not impressed, nor do I try to impress with any type of Greek or Hebrew. The Bible's already translated, okay? So I'm not trying to get into that, but, but there are some things that I want to point out here and there. But in uh, the word only son is actually the Hebrew word yachid. It's Y-A-C-H-I-D when it's transliterated over, okay? Yachid. And in verse, um, it, it means the son, the son whom you love. It's an only one, an only child, a precious life. It would be like saying, hey, I want you to take that thing that's really special to you. And that, that's what I want. Uh, that's, that's who I'm talking about. Yachid describes Abraham's unique miracle also. This was something that God, someone that God actually used. Now, later on in the book of Zechariah, later on in, in the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10. God speaks of this Messiah, of Jesus, not, not Isaac, but of Jesus who would come one day and become uh, an Israel's repentance, weeping citizens, and a, a previous only son. He's speaking of this old, he's saying there was a son back here, but we're talking about the Messiah who's coming and he's an only son. He brings reference to that. Again, And then we also know when he says your only begotten son, what scripture do we know that says your begotten son? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his, that he gave his only begotten son. So he's giving, he's what's in the Bible called foreshadowing. He's foreshadowing that he's going to give his only begotten son. So he's asking Abraham if he would do this. And then uh, it says, in, in the land of Moriah to a mountain, he's saying a specific place that I'm going to ask you to bring there. I want you to notice th- the specific place that he asked Abraham to bring to him was the exact same mountain in Moriah that Jesus was offered on. That's why he said, I want you to go to a certain mountain in a certain place. And I, it's kind of like, let's get a preview of what's about to happen in the earth. 
He says, and, uh, and I want you to offer him there as an only begotten son. So what happened? Uh, I think I would have slept in. I think I would have got drunk if I was uh, Abraham at the time, and I would have just thought, I'm on medication. I'm, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm sick. I'm hearing voices. I don't want to do this. I don't get drunk. I don't even drink, by the way. But uh, it is a thing that uh, Abraham it shouldn't wake up early in the morning. Notice what he did the next morning. So Abraham rose up early in the morning the next day. <laughs> Not a good morning to do it. Saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. How many people did he take with him? He took two people plus Isaac. So he had three people that were going with him. He split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. The place. Notice the specific place. Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad. My son and I are going to go yonder to worship and we'll come back to you. Why do I want to point this out to you? This is the very first place in the Bible where worship, the worship to God is mentioned. The very first place in the Bible. The first place in the Bible where we actually see the use of the word worship is right here. But I want you to notice how he used it. He said, we're going to go worship God. Basically, I'm going to go sacrifice the thing that's most dear to me. That's what we're going to do. And you know what he said? Stay right here. I think he did that, so he said, "Don't, because I don't want you to talk me out of it. Because it seems crazy. See, sometimes when you hear something from God, and God's like, I want you to lay that down, and you say... I need a confirmation, so let me go have some prayer party. Hey, would you pray with me about this? Does this sound, well, I don't really know. I, I'm a, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you too. I'll pray. You know, that doesn't really sound like God because of this and, that. and this person. Well, maybe it could be God. Well, it could, and, you're, and then people say, well, that's, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And you go, I need more people to pray with me, right? Because I'm trying to get, see, sometimes we're trying to get the approval of other people. They, they weren't in the prayer closet. They weren't in your private time hearing from God. How can they tell you what God told you? How can they tell you what you're supposed to lay down and what you're not? Who else on earth can tell you what you're supposed to lay down and what you can't? They weren't in your time of prayer. So what did he have to do? He said, young men, you stay aside. I'm just me and, me and this person I have to lay down. Let's go up to the mountain. He says, uh, I will go. I will go. There are acts of obedience that you have to do alone. Church, listen. There are acts of obedience that it's between you and God and you're not going to get a confirmation. But you know what God's saying. <laughs> what if I don't do it? <laughs> then next time you pray, he may bring it back up. You're like, when are you going to stop telling me? When you listen to God. I can tell you there's so many times in my life where I've prayed for an answer, and I've, you hear me say this all the time. I prayed for an answer, and he, and he pointed something else out, and I'm like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. And he's like, no, I am talking about that. Because our lives are not compartmentalized. Your answer is what God's speaking to you. I don't know why, and I'm not looking at any individual in here, but uh, unmarried people. God puts something on your heart, straighten this out, fix this, do this. That is your answer. Quit praying for a spouse. Just obey whatever God told you to do. 
and you'll, you'll get the desires of your heart. Amen. Whether we like it or not, amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm not, again, I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm not even thinking of anybody. I'm married. Okay. I will go. He didn't tell them what God said. Uh, he didn't tell them. He didn't even tell the people that were with him what God said. He didn't say, hey, I got to go up to the mountain because God told me to do it. No, he just said, hey, we'll be back. I got to go worship. And he, and he took off. Okay. So uh, verse 6. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid Laid it on Isaac, his son. It wasn't like he was laying him down to sacrifice him right there. I think he was like laying it on his shoulders, like said, hey, carry this. Uh, and, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. They were walking. So I think they were used to going and sacrificing up to a place. So they're like, okay, son, hey, grab this wood. I have the fire. We're going together. And then they're walking along. They're like, man, this is a, this is a good mountain. This is a good lookout, isn't it? And then he goes, hey, dad, by the way, um, where's the sacrifice? We have the wood, we have the fire, and he says, um, God will provide. <laughs> if I was the son, I'd be kind of glad he told me that, right? Because I'd be out of there. <laughs> he said, God will provide the sacrifice, so they just keep walking up to the side. They just keep walking up the hill. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Now, uh, why did he say that? Because he was the sacrifice, right? And he says, um, um, burnt offering. Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, verse 9. Then they came to the place. Can you say the place of which God had told them? God had a specific place. Let me tell you, your, the thing that God asks you and I to do is not just about you. This whole thing wasn't just about Abraham's obedience. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus that would affect all of humanity. Sometimes there are things that he's asking you to do that are going to affect generations, not even in your family, in someone else's. <laughs> Sometimes he's asking me to do things that are going to affect my great, 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 great grandkids. I won't even see the answer in my lifetime, but I have to obey God and do what he said to do. He says, God will provide for himself. Uh, there's a big plan in this. Two of them went together, they came to the place, and Abraham built an altar there, he placed the wood there, and then he grabbed his son, he bound, this 100-year-old guy grabs this young son. Could you just imagine that wrestling match? My dad, I tell you, he died at 72 years old, he thought he could whoop me on his deathbed. And I, I mean, I, I wasn't quite convinced he could. He'd, he'd, you know, I'd come up to him, and I said, Dad, you know, he, you can get him, come on. I mean, he just, he was big on the inside, you know. Could you imagine this? He grabs his son, he bound him, he puts him down on the altar. Sometimes we just think this is some fairy tale. No, this is a real story here. He says he took him, puts, his, puts, it on the, puts him on the, uh, there he placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. Now, we read this story and we go, yeah, like Abraham's going to grab it and he's going to go, okay, here we go. I've read this story before. Like he's in a play. Okay, ready? Okay, when's it? When are you? Hey, come on. You're supposed to. No, this wasn't, this was never written up in a book. In fact, he didn't know this was going to be written up in a book. This was just a person like you and me that God said, Go kill the thing that's the most precious to you and nobody's going to know about it. And in fact, it's going to be up on a mountain with just you and God. Quiet. Secretive, so to speak. Just you and him. 
So he takes this, he takes this knife, he goes to kill his son, and the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I again, like, here I am, (laughs) what? And he says, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Listen, for now I know. Can you say the words, now I know? Did he test his heart or did he test his actions? Both. See, well, God knows my heart. Isn't that what we say? Well, God knows my heart. Yeah, he also knows your actions. (laughs) Amen? God knows my heart. Yeah, but he also knows our actions. Well, God, God sees my actions. Yeah, but he also sees our heart. They're both part of worship our heart and our actions. He says, for now I know. Listen, doesn't God know everything? Why didn't God know without having to put me through all that mess? See, because I hear sometimes people say, God wouldn't do that to you because God wouldn't. How do you know what God would and wouldn't? (laughs) God had to do this so that God could know that the thing he went up to go do on the mountain, which was called worship, was real. That he had to have the heart tested and the action tested. I mean, this was the hardest thing you could imagine. Some people, man, you come up and you say, hey, come on, we're going to worship God. Can you lift your hands? And they're like, oh, man, I have to lift my hands. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's easy. I'll do whatever you want. I'll live, do whatever you want, right? This was the ultimate sacrifice. But here's what, I, here's what you know, though. Listen, if your heart is right, your actions will follow. If it's easy for you to worship with your heart, then your actions are easy. I can tell you right now that, uh, and I've had to humble myself over and over, and I do have to humble myself over and over and over. But if, 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 if God just said, you know, hey, I want you to, whatever, to, to, to lay on the floor and preach the rest of this message, I think I'd think, well, that's kind of weird, but, and I'd say, hey, you guys, you know, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to do this, so let's just do it. Why? Because cause God already knows my heart, but sometimes he does test your actions. <laughs> God, don't do that. I'd rather just stand okay, right where I'm at. Now I know, now I know, he says, not just words, but actions. So Abraham lifted his eyes, look at verse 13. He lifted his eyes, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering, probably with a big smile on his face, instead of his son. His son had a big smile too. He says, and Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. You know what actually the name of that place is? It's called Jireh. It's actually what we know, Jehovah Jireh. And you know what Jireh is? It's, it's the God of provision. You know what provision is? Pro is like ahead of time. Vision is like before the vision. That God already has vision ahead of time that whenever he's asking you to do something, he already sees the outcome ahead of time. 
It's called provision. Here's what happened: is Abraham grabs his son. He walks up. Look at, look at, look at me. This is a mountain. He walks up this side of the mountain with his son, and he's like, "Oh my goodness, how's this going to work out?" But God on this side of the mountain is like, "Hey, hey!" He's talking to this ram, and he's like, "Get up that side of the mountain. Get up that side of the mountain. Come on, hurry, hurry, hurry!" Right? And the, the ram's coming up this side, and Abraham and Isaac are coming up this side, and he goes to kill his son, and he's like, "Hey, don't kill your son. Look over in the bush, and here's the ram." caught in the bush and he's like there's your God, there's your uh, provision there's the sacrifice and he says I'm going to call this place Jehovah Jireh or Jireh which means provision listen God's already got your need provided for if we believe that then it wouldn't matter what we need to sacrifice why because we know at the end of the day it's not our need that we're holding on to that's going to bring the answer amen amen <laughs> Call that place Jireh. And as it says this day, the mountain of the Lord that God provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time, and he said this. Listen, and this kind of closes this passage. He said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done. Is that an action or a heart? Is that an action or a heart? Well, I thought it was all grace, brother. I thought it was just, you know, I thought it was just, you're not, there is no action. It's, the action's already been done. Well, the action for your salvation's already been done. That's a weird one. The action for your salvation's already been done. You don't have to do anything else. But there are times where God asks you to do stuff. And if you're willing and obedient, what'll happen? Then you'll, you did the right thing. You'll be blessed because of it. If something's not working out, you can check two places. Your heart and your action. Always. If you don't see the answers to your problem, it's not. Because I don't see this in the Word. God always has three answers. Yes, no, and maybe. Yes, no, and wait. I don't see, I, I don't see, here's what I do see. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Two places to check. Check your heart. <laughs> and check your actions. Did you do what God asked you to do? And are you willing to? <laughs> and what will happen? He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because, listen, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, yeah, that son, here's what he says, verse 17. Can we read this out loud? Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. What is he saying? Because you've given into many things and you have. I'm going to multiply that one thing into many things. What if he hadn't given them? See, any time God asks for something, I remember with Peter, right? He walked to Peter and he's like, hey, I'm trying to preach to all these people and they can't hear me. Can I borrow your boat? I know you're a fisherman. I know it's part of your trade, but can I borrow your boat? And so he takes his boat, he uses his boat. And after the sermon, he says, hey, by the way, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for the catch, right? And he goes and catches all these. He caught like a week's load or whatever it was full of fish. What did he do? He borrowed the boat, but he, he filled it back with leftovers. What did he do with the feeding of the 5,000? He took the little boy's lunch, he, but he didn't take it away from him. He had 12 baskets left over. I'm sure he's like, hey, how much, how much food can you carry home? 
God always is not out to take from us, but he's out to take whatever we'll give him, multiply it, and use it. Again, he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. He doesn't take the bread out of your mouth. He gives you seed to sow and bread to eat. Don't eat the bread to sow, right? And don't sow the bread you're supposed to eat. He tells you exactly how to do it, and that's where we see He says, because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply. Verse 18, and in your seed, or he says, and your descendants, he's saying all these sons and daughters shall possess the gates of their enemies. What is he saying? Your kids will not be losers. They're not going to be a bunch of wimps and losers. They're going to possess the gates of your enemies. They're going to be mighty people. They're going to be people that have the hand of the Lord on them and they're blessed. Amen? They're not going to be victimized. They're going to be taken care of. Why? Because you gave me what's precious. He says, uh, in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Why did God bless him? Why? Because you obeyed the voice of the Lord. You know, I found that if you'll just obey the Lord in what he tells you to do, you don't even have, understand what I'm saying before, you don't even have to pray about your situation. You'll just be in in a position of blessing. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying that you don't have to pray about your situation. Jesus said you have, even he knows what you have need of even before you ask, which means you ask. But you do have to be in a position to be taken care of by God. You do have to be in a position. So he says, because you have obeyed my voice, he says, these things will happen. So Abraham returned with the, with, he returned to the young men. He came back home, probably really relieved. And they rose, went together to Beersheba and, and Abraham, um, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. God, here's what I'm saying today. Listen, God tests the heart and the action of worship. It, it's not, our worship is not a performance for man, but it's a test of the heart. God. Nate, can you come up here and play? Let me tell you this last story. I remember when I was probably about, I guess I was about 22 years old. Maybe 20, yeah, maybe 22 years old. Maybe 23 years old. And I had just graduated from Azusa Pacific University um, with a degree in music. And I was really excited because I love music. Oh, music is like those things I have to keep surrendering it to God because uh, I never wanted to come before God. I wanted to serve God, but I love music. But I remember when I, right when I was graduating, uh, I was excited because I had all the application, I had all the process, and I was just in the process of applying to Boston Conservatory to move to Boston and to go to um, Berkeley School of Music. And I was just excited. I knew friends that had been there, and I was like, I'm going to go and move to Boston. And oh, this is, and I had these thoughts and these dreams. I had this plan of what I, what I wanted to do. I was excited about it. And I remember one morning, I was so excited. I went to bed excited. And I woke up one morning, early in the morning, maybe six o'clock in the morning or so. And as soon as I woke up, a lot of times it's when God really speaks to me clearly. Maybe it's because I'm not thinking or talking or in conversations or things, but he speaks to me really clearly. And he said, as soon as I woke up, I laid there in bed, I opened my eyes. I remember exactly where I was, where the bed was, everything. And God said to me, I want you to go back to Bible college. 
And I went, no. I just said, no, I don't want to go back. I don't like Bible college. I want to go. And I told him, like, God, you know I want to do this. You give me the desires of my heart. I quoted some scripture on him, like Satan does. Okay, I'm just kidding. But I quoted some scripture on him. I said, God, you know what I, what I want to do. I already have these plans and stuff. And, and, uh, and he just kind of stopped. And I knew it was God. I'll tell you what I did. I rolled, I remember, I just, instead of standing up, I rolled over out of bed and put my knees on the floor. Just put my knees on the floor. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go. I don't even like Bible college. It's not that I don't love the word. I love the word of God. Love teachers and all that. But I just didn't want to go back to Bible college. The Lord said, I want you to. So I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I know that I have to be obedient. And I'll be obedient. I'll do whatever you say to do. Done. I'll do it. But I'm not, but I'm not willing. I'm not excited about it. And I said, but God, would you change my heart so that I'll want to do your will? Would you soften my heart? Because I know that it's not only the obedient actions. I'll do that. It's the willingness. And I remember it wasn't immediate because I was waiting and still, nope, don't want to do it. Nope. In the process of several hours, maybe a day, it was 12 hours or so. I mean, I don't know what. All of a sudden, I started getting these thoughts and visions and ideas and thoughts. And you know what happened? Not only did he get, make me excited about going to Bible college, he purged the, I, the thought of those other dreams because I, I didn't believe they were the dreams of God all of a sudden. I, and I wasn't wishy-washy. I just... And, um, but I can tell you that in that process, I went back as soon as I... Uh, registered for Bible college. It was like the blessing of God came upon my life. Uh, I registered him before school even started. The president of the college called me up. He said, I've never met him before. He said, I heard that you had a music degree and you're about to, he said, actually our music director just left and and uh, would you be interested in maybe teaching a choir or leading? I said, I've never taught a choir before. I don't know. You know, I like music and I don't know. Uh, would you be interested? Well, they, they pulled me in. I got free tuition. Somebody say amen just for that. I taught a choir. I did another group. I did, a, um, and then I, they asked me if I could do a class here and there, developed a whole music program, worked for the college. I met my wife. No, listen, I met my wife there. I think it was two years later. Sometimes I look at Tiffany and I think, I love God so much, but I'm so thankful for her. What if I hadn't obeyed God? I missed out on her. Look at my kids. I've, I've been able to be in worship ministry for about 20 years of my life, being in leadership in church. My life took a whole different course. I met some of the most amazing people. But it's like the, it, it's like I've, all through life, the, the Lord's just opened up door, opened up door, opened up door, opened up door. Why? Because of just the, I'll do it. Maybe... Maybe someone, and I'd say this to the Lord, Lord, there's so many more talented people out there. There's so many more gifted people out there. But if you think I'm the best shot you got, maybe you'll get the most glory out of me. I'll do it. And I just watched the blessing of God be on my life. That's not the one time and I go, phew, glad done with that. Now let's get into life. No, listen. God does this to us. As soon as things start getting built up, he'll come and say, would you lay it down? Oh, I don't want to lay it down. 
I'm in Memphis today. I wouldn't get to know all my church family online and here. Wouldn't get to know all of you. Wouldn't get to experience the hand of the Lord and what he's doing here if I hadn't just said, I'll do it. And along with a number of other people of God. But listen, God has a plan for you that's bigger than your plan. God has a plan for you that's better than your wildest dreams. But it will not happen without what worship requires. It's the action and the heart of sacrifice. Being willing to sacrifice so that you can give up to go up. You can give up so that God can use you more because he doesn't want us to be weighted down with anything. I want us to do something. If you're able, would you kneel? At home, if you're able, if, you're, if it's going to hurt you and break your knees, just, you just sit there. You're good. But would you kneel before the Lord right now? And I want us to take those two things to the Lord. Say, God, I'm willing today. Come on, just tell him I'm willing today. God, and I'm obedient today. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Could you just tell him I'll do whatever you tell me to do? And God, and I'm willing. Maybe if there's something in your heart that, that maybe doesn't feel willing, just say, God, I surrender that to you. I'm so prideful, arrogant, selfish, greedy. Maybe just you need to surrender that to God. Oh, Lord, I worship you today. Surrender my heart to you today. Surrender every plan to you today, Lord. Your way and not my way. Your plans and not my plans. If there's something specific, just commit. Make a commitment right now. Say, Lord, I'll do that. I'll do that. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.